welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hi, welcome back to Employee of the Month. I'm Katie Lazarus, and on this episode, I spoke with Alex Karpovsky. You may know him from HBO series Girls, where he plays the character Ray. Um, he's also playing Marty Green in the upcoming Coen Brothers film Inside Lewin Davis. Karpovsky is a filmmaker in his own right. Uh, he started with The Whole Story, which made him one of the 25 hottest filmmakers in Filmmaker Magazine for indie filmmakers. Sort of a quintessential indie filmmaker, I would say, having done Trust Us, This Is All Made Up and most recently Rubberneck and Red Flag. It was a joy to interview him on a Valentine's-themed show since he often explores uh, love and how it can often be elusive or how we screw it up. And by we, I just mean Alex and I specifically. Here's my interview with Alex Karpovsky. Enjoy. You probably know him from the Emmy Award-winning show Girls. Mm -hmm. In addition to that... In addition to um, being a heartthrob on Girls, um, he has also been either acted, directed, or written in over 25 films, including uh, five of his own, Rubberneck and Red Flag, which are um, debuting this month. Uh, You can can download them um, legally. Uh, They're being released by Tribeca Film uh, Enterprises. Uh, without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Alex Karpovsky. <laughs> oh, good. They're, they're an amazing fan. We're so happy you're here. Me now, too. I discovered you through The Whole Story, which was, I believe, your first film that yeah, you... Yeah, my first feature, yeah. And um, so, okay, most of your films are slightly autobiographical. Uh-huh. Uh, yes? True. Okay, that was a question. It was just phrased as a statement. It's true. I made five movies, and three of them are autobiographical, yeah. Which ones are not? My documentary about improvisers, yes. which I'm not in, and, uh, uh, and Woodpecker. Oh, Trust Us, This Is All Made Up. Trust Us, All Made Up, yeah. And then and they, and they used to perform here, I think, sometimes. Uh, it's about these two improvisers, TJ and Dave, and I think yes. they used to perform yeah. here. Yeah. Yes! TJ yes. and Dave! Incredible improvisers. And now they, they're in Chicago, but they come to the Barrow Street Theater down the road for a weekend of shows every few months. I, awesome. you should, everyone should see them if you're fans of improv or just creativity. Awesome. Or just really humor. Good. Or you just like to laugh. Or just... just if you uh, like long walks on the beach. A lot of their shows even aren't... Uh, they're not designed necessarily just to be funny. They basically improvise one-act plays with a lot of uh, dramatic resonance and fully That's developed awesome. characters. So more than just laughs. They're great. I, I like that. That's what our yeah. show is, too. A lot of depth. A lot of depth. Um, speaking of depth, you were studying for your PhD in visual anthropology. Uh huh, visual ethnography. Yeah. I, I apologize. It's the same thing. Do you know how upset it's just, it's I dropped out of my doctorate and now you can see um, I that I probably too. should have continued. I did too. I dropped out. But mine was we're both in, dropouts. We're both school dropouts. Yeah. Um, mine was in clinical psychology. Okay. How do you feel about that? You guys, gonna get me out of this one? <laughs> Thank you. A little, little late. Next time, a little faster. There we go. That's good. So, what was yours like? What do you do? You have any uh, memories, or have you blacked it all out? No, I have a lot of very fond memories. That was probably the best uh, two years of my life. I had a wonderful time there. It was really beautiful. It was idyllic. At, in at Oxford. Yeah. In Oxford. 
whatever. I have to ask because people, a lot of people will say like, I went to school in Cambridge and they just should just say they went to Harvard. So I'm just not sure. Well, no, it's different. Harvard is in Cambridge, Mass. Oxford is in the city. No, no, let me tell you. Oh, Jesus. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I lost, I lost interest in my own thought right there. How do you feel I went about to in-at Oxford. It was idyllic. It was great. Then you got to the big city and you had to deal with people like me, huh? Yeah. Um, you're also a first-generation Russian immigrant, which I thought was really interesting. And I just wanted to hear, are you, are you close with the community in, in Boston where you're from? I am, yeah. All of my, my mom has made no effort to integrate. She doesn't speak a lot of English, virtually no English. So all of her friends are Russian. They're always over at our house. We go to their houses all the time. So I grew up only around uh, Russian adults, yeah. And then your dad is very into Fox News and calisthenics? Yeah, he's become this weird neocon. I don't know how that happened. So politics, I mean, I'm not a neocon. Politics is sort of a no-fly zone at our house. We just start hating each other. You and know? what about calisthenics? He does it like he does like these. He's Soviet. He's not Russian. Okay. So he left before the fall. Can we see so, it? Can we see it? Well, there's a lot of stuff yeah. like this. A lot, a lot of bending. There's a lot of gymnastics going on here. Those are good. You guys give Alex a hand. <laughs> but he does it. He does it with a lot of anger. You know, with like you know, um, Shep, whatever the Shepard Smith is blasting. Like it's a lot of, It's like it's rage driven. You know, out of anger at the world. And what this black president is doing to the country, just so much like, uh, he just hates them so much for all these like completely, I'm just getting mad thinking of how mad my dad gets. It's also amazing considering what's going on uh, back in Russia, that he's so angry here. Sorry, what'd you say? I'm just thinking about my father. I mean, it's probably better to be here than with Putin. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He hates Putin too. Okay, good, There's so all much, right. ra- as there's as so much rage to give, lots of rage to yeah. give, yeah. It's the great thing about being Russian Jews, I feel. I can relate. Um, so you also, you know, make your own independent films, and, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about raising money for them. There, are, you, you have mentioned that you go to when we spoke um, that there was a woman in the Russian community who helped fund things. Well, thanks for outing me. Yeah, th- <laughs> there is a there's a. I thought it was neat that 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 you. But it's a secretive business. Oh, sorry, sugar mama. She may or she may be she may be in the Taiwanese community or Laotian. I don't want to say which one. There's a very uh, jovial and obese Russian woman. Zafdig, Zafdig, pleasantly plump. Yeah. Who lives a uh, pleasantly plump woman who lives on the outskirts of Boston? Who that's her business. She kind of uh, she helps helps because there's a big interest associated with this, but financial interest. Um, she, she lends money out to people and then you have to give her a lot more back when it's time to give her the money back. That's what she does. And, and uh, yeah, she helped me make my movies. My mom is good friends with her and uh, everyone's friends with her. Like she's just always, she's a social butterfly, but that's the side business that she runs. I'm sure every community has one of those of some sort. How do I find mine? How do you know? You guess... Well, when we're not in front of people, I can give you an email address. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Spasibo. Nyazashta. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to talk about your films because I was so impressed that you write, direct, and I, I basically if I tie my shoes, I'm impressed. So I'm just impressed that you can do all these things uh, at once and, and execute them so well. Um, with Red Flag, though, that's a departure because it's more... Oh, no, sorry. Excuse me. With Rubberneck, it's, rubberneck, more, yeah. it's, it's more of a departure because that's a, a psychosexual thriller. Yeah. Um, 
what was it like doing a more dramatic movie when you've done all of these very funny, absurd comedies? I mean, they have drama to them, that, you know, but... Yeah, I've never done anything that's drifted so far away from um, funny business ever in my life. I love psychological thrillers. I love slow-burning, character-driven, psychosexual thrillers. They're kind of my favorite genre as a viewer. And I've always fantasized about trying to make one. And then the opportunity with a, a collaborator in Boston named Garth, it just congealed up in Boston a few years ago. I, I didn't, we didn't write it for me. Um, we wrote it for someone we could find. And then we had a very long, laborious casting process. And we found a perfect person who, his name is Bob. He's got a very different energy than me. He's much older than I am. And we kind of did a round of rewrites based on him and... Anyway, we had a long rehearsal process. On the fourth day of production, he had a family crisis, and he dropped out. Oh, my God. And we just, there was no number two. It was like, it's, there was no one we liked except for him. So then I tried to step into his shoes, and then we reshot the first four days with, and then, so I, I replaced him. Wow. Oh, you weren't going to be in it originally? No, no. I didn't think I could do it. It's because it's so different from what I normally do. Well, but you're playing a researcher, and, and I mean, you did research, and your father's also a scientist, so... Yeah. You knew about the role because you helped write it, right? I knew about the role, but if I felt I could do it, I wouldn't have had a casting process mm. looking for someone else. Yeah, But, but, but yes, I, w I, I wanted to just direct, which I don't normally do. I usually act in my movies, and I just thought it'd be a better movie if I could just put all of my focus directorially rather than you know, going back and forth, which I thought would dilute the endeavor. Maybe it did, too. I don't know. Now... <laughs> No, I thought it was fantastic. Was yeah. okay. No, I, I yeah. think it's fantastic, and, and people are going to get a chance to see it. Tell me, it's getting released right this month, I believe, right? Yeah, so a week from tomorrow, February 22nd, both Red Flag and Rubberneck are released as a double bill at the Lincoln Center. So they're wow. both playing, like, alternating each other. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Really, really cool. One of the other things I, I love is that you talk about mental illness on screen, and... I think I'm always asked, like, you must be crazy because you go into comedy. And sometimes I think, okay, yeah, but the business also makes me crazy. D do you feel like one, do you feel like crazy people go into our business or do you feel like the business makes people crazy or you think it's a little bit of both, nature, nurture? It's probably both. I know that's the easy answer, but it's definitely both. I didn't spend, you know, I was a stand-up comic for a while, uh, I guess. I mean, I was so well, bad. Well, you did a, a very Andy Kaufman-esque is what people Yeah, I did say. sort of aggressive, confrontational, comedic performance art. <laughs> if you... I don't, know, I don't know if you want to call it stand-up comedy. I never told a joke on stage in my life. You know, is that um, something you practiced at home and then, and then did on stage, or it was just a departure from who you are? Well, both. It was a complete departure from who I am, and I'd practice it. You know, it, it was very prop-heavy. There was a little bit of a carrot top woven in there as well. So I'd come out there. But there wasn't improv. It was just sort of I just needed a lot of tools. The way Andy Kaufman sort of had like a boom box or his um, vinyl player, I had yeah. boom boxes. So I just had to like haul a lot of gear. It was, I wasn't the type of comic that could go on stage, just riff with the crowd, and then have beers with the fellas afterwards. I, I was like terrified. I had needed to get all my shit plugged in ahead of time, and then I'd have to take a car and haul all my crap home and cry. Yeah. I was that comic. Yeah. I try to cry before, though. You can get it out of the way. Yeah, well... Just a tip if you go back. I won't go back. Okay. Um, now, you have done commercial work. You were recently in, in Law & Order. Um, is there any part you didn't take but wish you had? Yeah, I, I think it's okay to talk about this. Uh, the, the, they were, they, I don't think it's out yet, but they recently shot a Lifetime movie 
um, on the Anna Nicole Smith story, which is probably the eighth time they've done that. Um, but I really wanted to do it. You know, one of her many lovers, I think her last lover was a guy named Howard Stern, not the Howard Stern, but another Howard Stern. And he represented her. This is like the one thing that Howard Stern would deny. He'd be like, that's not me. <laughs> well, there's many things you could say about that, Howard Stern. But <laughs> most notably in this context, he represented her. I think the case went to the Supreme Court for whatever reason. And they became... I, th I think, if not boyfriend, girlfriend, he was a um, boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband. Lover in some capacity. But he's a real snake and a scoundrel. It's so strange that he would be with Anna Nicole Smith and be right, a snake. Right, perplexing. And I really, and I was offered the role, and I really wanted to do it, but um, people talk sense into me and probably think maybe it's not the best time to do a Lifetime movie. There'll be plenty of time later to do Lifetime movies. I'm a Danielle. A lifetime's worth. That should be their new slogan. <laughs> when your life is falling apart, tune in. <laughs> it's a lifetime. Um, now, I spoke with uh, Lena Dunham, who you met on your creative nonfiction film, and I just brought a question from her. Sometimes we have questions from guests and, and audience people and sometimes okay. from friends. And um, she said, Alex, you seem so mature, but Lena, well, she, she didn't say that, but I, uh, tells me you have no house. Can you illuminate on that? Yeah, um, well, I, do, I have no credit, so which is sometimes worse or equally as bad as bad credit um, for whatever reason. I don't like talking about money, but I, I have no credit, and it's hard for me to get my own place. I've been subletting from place to place, and I think that's what she's referring to. And there are some parallels drawn from my, that life experience to Ray's arc in season two. Well, it's already out. I mean, we already know yeah. that he's homeless, and then it, it kind of keeps going down, you know, and we go pretty deep down that road for a while. If it makes you feel better, even with credit, I can't afford a house. So you're always welcome to But you to have be... your own lease, which I've, no, I've never been able to sign a lease. Oh, wow. Because in my neighborhood where I, you know, it's just, I want to stay in my neighborhood, which I know is also making things difficult. But, you know, they have, it's competitive, and they have a lot of applicants, and why would they go with this guy who can't, who has no credit? They would just yeah, go with but... someone else. I mean, I like when they ask you, like, do you make 100 times whatever the rent is? And I remember I was, like, working in foster care, and I was like, yeah, I make $100,000. That's exactly what's going on. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I mean, no one should have credit based on what they claim in their lease applications. So you're, you're in good company here is what, what, what I would say. Thank you. Um, you do have a lot of um, sex scenes uh, on stage in your, your films, and I was wondering, um, since... Uh, you're going to come back for the podcast so we can do a longer interview, but I, I wanted to know if right now, if, if you could tell me what you do to get the uh, actress in the mood to uh, shoot a sex scene and be sultry and, and be available emotionally and be there. Uh, roofies, mostly. No. Um, I, it depends on what... The, that was a terrible... I'm sorry I made that joke. Uh, it depends on what... If we're making a comedy, if we're making a thriller. And the comedy, okay. like, I hopefully... Let's, let's try both. Okay, and the comedy, it's really easy because you're working with actors, hopefully, that are just down for anything and there's a lot of improvisation work. Too close? Um, Too close? Too soon? Fine. You guys going to get me out hey of guys, this? It's Valentine's Day, so... <laughs> um, with the... Uh, um... No, you're supposed to lead me on, right? I oh, know, boys are supposed to go first. I know. Um, well, no, not, you know, not in today's New York City. Um, 
In, in, in dramas, I found a little bit, and I've, and I've acted in a few dramas where there are sex scenes, it's a little bit more difficult. From a director's point of view, you have to make sure that it's part of the story, it's relevant, it's not exploitative, it's not to get your own kicks, it's not to sell the movie in Asia. There's no, uh, there's no hidden agenda here. My body will not sell in Asia. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. I hate it when you do that to yourself. <laughs> I was just being honest. I, I'm happy with it. I just wouldn't go there. You know. yeah. um, but so, so okay. So where in the you, world do you think your body would play best? I think Russia. I think Russia? With, 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 with your donor. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, polar bears. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for the drama though, you said it's different. What, what would you do there? Well, what, what I was um, before the jokes got in the way, what I was saying is uh, basically I just want to make sure that the actors understand that this is relevant, and I'm doing this to deepen the character, uh, lengthen, you know, our understanding of what's going. What's so funny back there? You said lengthen. Uh, Beavis and Butthead over here. <laughs> in the, uh, yeah, just Beavis. Just Beavis. <laughs> um, anyway, I think I've. I think we can turn the page here. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm very, very excited. I hope that everyone will check out Red Flag. Um, I really liked that, and I really liked Rubberneck, and I love girls. So I'm excited to see more of you, as well as in the Coen Brothers film, Inside Lewin Davis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we will also get to see you. Alex, I hope I get to see more of you. This was just wonderful. So thank you so thank much you for being much. on the show. Thank That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out our website, employeeofthemonthshow.com. That's employeeofthemonthshow.com. You can nominate people. You can give me feedback about the interviews, what you liked, didn't like, people you'd like to hear from. Again, this show is about jobs, work, and culture. So try to get a sense of how people spend their time, what they do with it. We really only, we meaning me, like to only interview interesting, good eggs, the good part meaning that they have a moral compass. I probably will not take someone if they're a dictator or a parking ticket officer, but anyone else who has a really interesting job or career, please feel free to uh, let us know about them. Please donate if you have money. We could really use your help. It makes the sound quality that much better. It helps pay for people. And even me, I could afford to have three meals in a day instead of combining. That would be a delight. I really want to thank Ian Mazoff for being just a wonderful partner in crime, as well as all of you for listening. Thank you so, so much. And how did I not thank Lady Parts? Thank you, Lady, for being the best co-host a host could ever have. I'm Katie Lazarus. Be well.